Coming up on this episode of East Screen, West Screen, Kevin talks the Golden Horse nominees, some HKAFF films, Angela Baby and Charlie and Fat News, and then it's all about Andy Lau's latest, Saving Mr. Wu. This is East Screen, West Screen with Paul and Kevin, where if films were food, they'd be full of it. Hello and welcome to another episode of East Screen, West Screen. This is the show where we talk about films from Hong Kong to Hollywood and some other stuff in between. I am your host, Paul Fox, and coming to you from his news desk in the middle of an apple orchard is Mr. Kevin Ma. Hey there, Paul. Hello, everybody. Hi. It's been a while. We had a, about a, a week or so of hiatus, just uh, primarily because my schedule was uh, swamped last week. So we're kind of mid-October as we're recording this. So how's how's everything going so far? Um... Pretty okay. My, um, you know, my first issue's out now. My first issue of the magazine, Discovery. Um, and I think my last, yeah, I mentioned that in our last episode. But yeah, you can now read it uh, either on the uh, iPad app or uh, on your Cathay Pacific uh, and Dragon Air flights. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, check it out. You can see uh, Kevin's nice little profile picture there. So. Oh, God, I got a photo byline. Yeah, forget about that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, how's I mean, w- what's it like doing that? I mean, how is it? How is how, how are things different now from uh, you know your previous work? Well, you know, web media, it's it's instant, right? Everything you do, you can change right away. You can screw up a little something, but it's fixable. It's right away you can fix it. Um, the problem with print media is that once it's gone to print, that's it. It's out there, yeah. right? So then you have a, a, a much more you have much more scrutiny over what is being written on the page because then it's written then it's read by, you know, four or five different editors, right? And especially if I'm working on two magazines, that means I'm dealing with two different editorial staffs for my for my section. Um, but and of course, you know, the yes, Asia, my client was the customers. You know, I did some customer service stuff, but they are like. The, the customer, you know, dealing with individual customers, that's our client, so-called client servicing. But we still had a customer service department to, to fix all that. But I, my job, my part of, the, part of my job is actually a, uh, um, client servicing and Cathay Pacific is my client. Um, so that is much more hands-on on, you know, serving sort of the boss, you know, um, and, and, and a lot of administrative stuff uh, that's in addition to in addition to the writing and the editing and the freelance and the freelancers and all that stuff, so yeah, it's it's a very different job. Even though the um, the abilities that they require of me, which is you know a good knowledge of films, um, knowing how to write and edit, um, is basically very similar. But but it's a very the jobs are very different. Hmm. Do they at least give you like uh, you know uh, so many Asia miles per word? <laughs> No, because we do not work for Cathay. In fact, you know, we they're not my employer. My my employer is the agency that handles the uh the magazine, which is Cedar, Cedar Hong Kong. So 
yeah, um, we don't we don't get anything of the sort. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. uh, well, one I know this is like the first question that everyone asks when I tell them about what my job is, and they, oh, the first thing I hear is, "Oh, do you get free tickets?" No, we, my job primarily requires me to stay at a computer or watch movies. They do not require me to fly anywhere, so no, I do not get plane tickets. Yeah, yeah your job sucks, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just your so job, bad. your it's job so doesn't, your job doesn't require you to fly. Get, get, getting paid to watch movies all day, right? Now. I no, no, I do not get paid to watch movies, sir. I do not get paid to watch movies. I get paid to, you know, use my expertise on movies and mm. to write and to to edit. That's no one really gets paid to watch movies. Not even critics. Mm. Critics are hired for for their word. Um, film programmers are hired for their knowledge and and how they handle um, and to bring films to fest- film festivals. My job is to choose films or to 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 you know put film listings together and all that stuff mm. but no one really gets paid to watch movies that's that's, and that's not, not true i there was about a period of time for about a year and a half where i was paid to watch movies i was the projectionist at a cinema and, uh, <laughs> i always had to make sure that the you know back in the old days before we had these digital cinemas we had to you know uh take all six cans out and put them on the platter and hook them up and make sure they were in the right order so we you know usually have to run them through to make sure that things weren't out of sequence so technically i was getting paid uh, to watch movies. Well, you were literally watching the movies. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yes, that, that, that does count. I concede defeat. All right. Well, let us get on to um, our news for this week. And we've got quite a bit of news because we've been away for a bit. So I'm going to throw it back over to Kevin at the news desk with his news. All right, here at the news desk, we're playing a bit catch up here. Um, our last episode was uh, recorded two days before these were announced, so we're kind of uh, you know catching up now. The Golden Horse uh, Awards, uh, the nominees were announced on October the first, and as expected, um, Ho Shaoxian's The Assassin was the you know most nominated film. It earned eleven nominations, which is pretty solid, I would say. Uh, best film, best director. Best Actress, Xu Qi, um, you know, Best Cinematography, all that stuff there. Um, even Best Action, even though there's only about two minutes of it. Um, the Actually, the, the surprise is actually the second and third most biggest nominee uh, getters, or so to speak. Um, uh, Thanatos, or Thanatos Drunk, uh, which is a, a art house film by director Chen So Chi, was number two, I think, with nine nominations. Uh, it won the Top price earlier this year in June uh, at the Taipei Film uh, Film Festival, so I guess I shouldn't be too surprised about this. But yeah, it got you know your usual best best um, best actor, best actress, um, best film, best director, best screenplay. Uh, I guess one interesting thing to note is that the director um, actually is currently serving a three and a half year jail sentence for for rape. Um, even though he still denies the charges to this day, but he is serving a, a jail sentence and he's been doing so since, I think, May. So I don't think he'll be able to make it to the awards um, in November. The third nominee is, is um, Port of Call, the uh, Philip Young film, I guess, the mystery drama. Actually, I haven't, I mean, I actually had a lot of chance to see this. This is the closing film at the Hong Kong International Film Festival. Um, um, and, and it played uh, at the local repertory theater program called Cinefan. So, and I had a take at the time, but I hadn't seen it. But anyway, it's been, you know, traveling around the tra- festival circuit. 
for about nine months now, um, including New York. We're talking like uh, Taiwan, Udine in Italy, <clears throat> um, Busan in Korea, all these sort of festivals. But now it's finally coming back um, um, to Hong Kong, uh, opening on December 3rd. Anyway, that film um, starring Aaron Kwok as a detective uh, trying to solve a murder of a prostitute. Um, got nine nominations, which is a bit of a surprise because I think I think that it hadn't gotten that award attention anywhere before. So, um, so people, a lot of people were surprised. Um, other nominees included, you know, um, for best picture, you have um, Tharlo, which is a Tibetan film. Um, um, uh, Mountains May Depart, which is the new film by Jagan Ke. Um, so those five films for best picture, um, best. Actor, you have uh, Lee Hong Chi from Thanatos Drunk, Aaron Kwok for his third, third Golden Horse Best Actor nomination. He's already won two, so I think actually this might be his fourth nomination. I don't remember, but the Golden Horse Committee really loves Aaron Kwok. Clearly, they've they've nominated that guy for Best Actor more more times than Hong Kong has ever will or will ever do. So he's nominated here again. Uh, director Feng Shao Gang uh, nominated for Best Actor uh, in the film Mr. Six, which is. Uh, Coming out this December and also playing at the uh, Hong Kong Hong Kong Asian Film Festival, which I'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, Deng Chao for the Dead End, which is a crime drama from China. Dong Zhijian, uh, a very talented young actor who was also in the the Zhang Ke film, but he's here nominated for a film called De Lan. Uh, Best Actress, um, kind of actually a lot more competitive, I would say. Um, and been so for the last couple of years actually. Xu Shi for The Assassin, of course. Uh, we have Zhao Tao from Mountains May Depart, the Zhao Zhang Ke film. We have uh, Karina Lam for Xenia Flower. This is uh, Karina Lam's first starring role in quite a bit, you know, in quite a long time, so it's nice to see her there. Um, Vivian Song from the uh, hit Taiwan romantic comedy Our Times, and Sylvia Chang for Office. Um, yeah, I'm not going to go into all the nominations, but oh, this year, uh, the best animation category is back uh, because they canceled it last year because I think there was a lack of uh, submissions. Um, but uh, this year is back and there are only uh, two nominees um, and one is Monkey King Hero is back, the record-breaking Chinese uh, animated film and the other one is Madou, Me and My Mum. So those two will be you know, battling it out for the best animation award. Um, so in addition to the 11 nominations, uh, uh, The Assassin also won Outstanding Filmmaker of the Year, Outstanding Taiwanese Filmmaker of the Year for director Ho Shao Shen. He actually last won the award a couple of years ago for um, three times when it was also nominated for a bunch of awards. Um, Paul, you know, a follower of Golden Horse Awards? Uh, I don't remember that you were a big like follower of these awards. I'm not a big fan of most um, right. award shows, uh, as as we've discussed in the past. I you know, I pay attention to the nominees and the winners, but um, my days of you know sitting down to watch the glad handing that goes on and that kind of stuff is uh, I think behind me. I've got uh, better things to do. I mean, I I do think it's interesting though uh, looking at this list, especially as I look at something like uh, best visual effects, where you've got movies like Rise of the Legend, which was like last year. Um, on par with uh, Monster Hunt from, you know, just a couple months ago. Um, and then you mentioned uh, 
uh, Mr. Six is up, um, Feng Xiaogang is, is up for Mr. Six, right? And we're not even getting that until like December of this year. So um, just kind of highlighting the idea that, you know, movies can actually exist in this time period uh, of much greater than a year's space uh, before we actually get to see everything um, and still be eligible for awards of a given year. Yeah, because the Golden Horse Awards, actually, it's a very interesting system. The way the Golden Horse Awards, I think they still run by the, you know, yeah, you have to be made within the calendar year, but it's a very a strictly a submission system, which means the company submits the films. Not like, um, it's not like if they played um, in cinemas in a certain amount of time, they're automatically qualified. In fact, they have to be submitted um, so then you have, you know, kind of manipulation of time, just like last year, Insanity, um, even though it wasn't uh, released until April this year, it was actually nominated last year for Best Supporting Actress because the film company um, says that it was produced in the calendar year, so then uh, and they submitted it. Hmm. So so it's a very, so in, and that's why they accept, you know, all Chinese language films, no matter where it's from, even if it's Singapore, Ilo Ilo, a couple of years ago, um, the Singaporean film, Chinese language film, and therefore it was, it was eligible and it won the top award. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'd be curious to see uh, what comes out of it and uh, hopefully uh, some of the smaller films that maybe we wouldn't get to see right away, we would get to see a little bit sooner. A, a, a bit of a, a self-promotion. Um, the, the awards are, held, are being held on November 21st, and as always, I will be writing the uh, a, a live blog covering the awards. So be sure to... Uh, the link will be up and all that stuff. I'll do the proper promotion of it when the time comes. But yeah, just, just to uh, watch out for it. Excellent, excellent. And uh, can we look forward to your live blog of the Mr. Hong Kong competition too? No. Yes? No? Maybe? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm not ready for that yet. So. All right. Um, all right, so no, you I, have some I, uh, further I'm not ready for that yet. <laughs> Continuing on uh, awards news, um, the Academy of, uh, God, I don't even know, picture, what, arts, motion pictures and sciences, something like that? Um, anyway, the people who do the Oscars, they've, they've announced their uh, the official list of um, submissions for the Oscar. Um or the Oscar Best Foreign Film Race, um, just to, to be technical and all that. Um, anyway, we, we, we talked about last time that To The Four was submitted. Um, I might have already mentioned that um, Taiwan submitted The Assassin. And I think I also said that um, um, China uh, submitted Wolf Totem. Uh, but actually, turns out that was not the case, as the official list revealed that... Um, China had submitted Go Away, Mr. Tumor, which is the, uh, the, the film starring Bai Bai He and Daniel Wu um, about the, a comic book artist who has cancer but uses like the most positive way imaginable to, to face that crisis. Um, but anyway, the film was kind of a surprise choice. Even the director didn't know that was happening. Um, but turns out, according to some media reports, that um, um, the film... Wolf Totem was actually submitted, but then the Academy actually turned it down because they found that too many of the major talent behind the film were not Chinese, and therefore the film cannot be, uh, could not be submitted or be accepted as China's uh, submission. So now, uh, Go Away, Mr. Tumor is officially um, um, China's um, representative, which I guess 
paves the way even more so for uh, the assassin to get a nomination. Um, other uh, Asian uh, submissions uh, include uh, The Last Rio from Cambodia, um, Court from India, 100 Yen Love from Japan, uh, Men Who Saved the World from Malaysia, um, How to Win at Checkers Every Time from uh, Thailand, an omnibus called Seven Letters from Singapore. Um, so, you know, all in all, a, a fairly respectable list uh, of, of art house favorites and, and, and festival circuit films and things like that, except for To the Four. I'm to sorry. To the Four! Except for To the Four, yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, the last time that a uh, Asian film was nominated um, in the final round of the Best Picture, Best, for, best Foreign Film Race was Risty Pan's um, The Missing Picture in 2013. The last film that won the best, uh, the last Asian film that won the best. Uh, foreign film was Departures all the way back in 2008. So uh, let's see um, Asia's chances this year. I think The Assassin has a very strong chance because of its reception in Cannes, but you never know really if the Academy uh, and, you know, those European people, you know, have such just mixed, such nice, pleasant films for those old people at the Academy, so you never know. Yeah, but the Europeans love Chu Chi. Do they? And, uh, yeah, I, I, she, she's she, she's pretty popular in, uh, in France, in, maybe. Yeah, but, circuits over there. I mean, she's uh, I think I more more so than Bye Bye Her. I don't know about you know Daniel Wu and Eddie Pang. I don't uh, think people. I don't the the problem. I don't think people are even gonna sit down and watch. The voters aren't even gonna sit down and go watch Go Away, Mr. Toomer. Mm. So that's the problem. You can't even get the, the committee to go and sit down and watch because there's no way that the committee watched all 70 films. They'll just, they'll get the screening and then whether people show up, it's their choice. So anyway, that's, that's how it goes. That's the Academy. Um, yeah, you know, good luck to the, the Asian films yeah. this year. All right, next piece of news, uh, the Hong Kong Asian film festival, um, uh, has announced its lineup. Um, disclaimer, I, I, I did, you know, have a have a hand in writing the booklet, so you know there's almost like self promotion. You know, promoting the festival that helped worked for. But anyway, um, um, once again, I mean, last year you had two Hong Kong films uh, opening and closing. You had Don't Go Breaking My Heart two and Rise of the Legend opening and closing the festival. This year, we are gonna have and two more local films. Actually, even more local in a way, in some ways. Um, opening and, and closing the, the Asian Film Festival. Um, the opening film is She Remembers, He Forgets, the, the latest film from director Adam Wong, his follow-up to uh, The Way We Dance. Um, this is one of those nostalgic school schoolyard romance story. Um, it stars uh, Miriam Yeun um, as a woman who, who sort of reminisces about her uh, old school days. Um, Jan Lam plays her husband, um, whose who's, you know, younger incarnation also appears in the story. Um, and the other opening film is Jia Jiang Ke's Mountains May Depart, which we just talked about with the Golden Horse uh, section, so let's not talk more about that. But anyway, the festival's closing film will be Nick Chun's uh, Keeper of Darkness, which is the actor's second directorial effort. The um, Nick stars um, in the film as an exorcist, um, who's very un, un, um, uh, untraditional uh, 
uh, uh, ways of ex- exercise exorcism uh, gets him uh, internet attention as the videos go viral. So that sounds like an interesting film. The film does open in Hong Kong in late November. So if you missed the closing screening, don't worry, it's coming very soon anyway. Um, the film's the, the festival centerpiece film is uh, 10 Years, is a local omnibus made by five young directors, um, including uh, uh, Kibi Chow, who made a complicated story. Um, Devin Ao, I think, who, who I think he's a writer at Milky Way Image, but I don't quite. Uh, Jevin's Ao, I'm sorry, uh, but I'm not quite sure. But anyway, these five young filmmakers, each the 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 center theme of the omnibus is that uh, the filmmakers sort of imagines um, a Hong Kong 10 years from now. Um, so each of these shorts sort of depict what's happening in Hong Kong uh, as, they, as they see it. So obviously it's a very political or socially driven film. Um, I've seen the film and, and I think that it's something quite special. I think that it's um, very, very timely. It's very relevant to its times. And I think it's something very interesting, uh, especially for Omnibus. Um, uh, it's a centered, a, a themed Omnibus. I think it's very interesting. So so that's definitely worth uh, looking out for. Um, this year's director in focus is Singapore's Eric Koo. Um, he's bringing uh, uh, his latest film, In the Room, which uh, has Hong Kong money and, and has one segment uh, starring Josie Ho. Um, so there is some kind of Hong Kong connection there. Um, and there will be other films of his at the festival. Um, the New Talent Award this year, you have uh, films like Sugino Kiki's uh, Taksu, which is a, a Japanese uh, arts art house drama. Emin Yo, Malaysian director, also a friend of mine. Uh, his, his debut feature, River of Exploding Durians, will be coming. Um, you can read my interview with him on Film Business Asia. Uh, South Korean film Alice in Ernest Land, which I've heard really great things about. Um, Taiwan film Conspiracy, which is a modern modern uh, telling of the Crucible set in the high school. And uh, Indonesia's uh, Sati and uh, Mustang, the French, the French representative uh, at the uh, Academy Award for um, uh, best foreign film. Um, yeah, just a very solid lineup. I know probably don't really have much time to go watch movies anymore. Um, but but yeah, um, what do you think about the lineup? Man? Anything you yeah. like to see? Well, I'm very excited about Nick Chung's movie. Um, just the poster alone is like very cool looking um though i heard this is a comedy so i mean the poster makes it look like kind of a super serious kind of thing so i'm still not sure what to expect from uh from that so i'm i'm hearing that it's it's kind of a horror cop more because you know remember hungry ghost ritual some people thought it was going to be a comedy too right yeah but uh, so i think i think this might be a more serious horror film i think that's what nick chairman wants to do is more serious horror films i'm really looking forward to that one the uh the omnibus film you mentioned from the young directors what is it 10 years after i mean 10 years isn't that isn't that uh, don't we know from zombie fight club exactly what happens 10 years (laughs) from now (laughs) they they don't quite make those predictions but okay. yeah it, it'd be interesting i mean like i said it's very politically driven and and leaning leaning towards one way um um but you know it, i think these most of the director's visions are are very interesting and actually almost eerily you know possible 
mm. um, so very close to reality in what's happening in Hong Kong. I mean, there are some kind of artsy stuff that that people that you know you have to get through before you get to the get to the good stuff. But um, but all in all, it's a very solid collection, and again, it's a very timely film. So yeah, very some good stuff to look forward to. Yeah, definitely. All right, now on to celebrity news. Oh yes, yes, yes. Um, well, Paul, I think you have a celebrity news, right? Okay, yes. Uh, if you haven't heard, the wedding heard round the world. Uh, Miss Angela Baby has uh, married Mr. Huang Xiaomeng. Oh, Angela, say it ain't so, please. You know, all that comes to mind is uh, Obi-Wan's famous quote, you know, as if millions of voices suddenly cried out in terror and were suddenly silenced, you know. Uh, so this was a pretty big deal, apparently, and it's gotten some criticism, some blowback for the basically the huge, lavish expenditure um, on par, I guess, with royal weddings. And uh, one side I read was comparing it to Jay Chow's wedding. And I guess one of the media personalities in the mainland has really come out in criticism of uh, uh, Mr. and Ms. Huang, I guess now, uh, or is it Mr. and Ms. Baby? Who's taking whose uh, surname? We don't know yet. <laughs> Um, but yeah, basically saying, you know, at least with Jay Chow's wedding, he kept the media out of it, but this was like a media circus. It was kind of done, uh, for the media. So it's received a lot of criticism from that, but mostly, you know, fans and the public who, uh, you know, like these stars, um, seem to have just eaten it right up. And, um, it's, it's a big commercial hit basically. So, you know, maybe the movie coming soon, uh, you know, Angela and Xiaoming's wedding. Uh, coming to a cinema near you. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it is what it is. It's the nature of, of uh, you know, big, uh, big celebs and the money that they have to waste on things like this, I guess. Yeah, I, honestly, I could not care less. Yeah. But the fact that, you, you know, they are, they have a reputation to maintain, right? Um, um, although I do have to say that one of the photos look like something from a haunted house and i'm talking about the one that's like i think indoors and there's like some blue lighting and they're in like a french whatever palace or mansion whatever the hell that thing is it looks like a haunted house photo <laughs> maybe it's, it's like maybe blue it's, light it's their, it's like some, their halloween shoot right there's <laughs> like blue and green light on them i'm like dude whoever lit that scene or whoever like color corrected that thing like come on yeah. you're just messing around just trolling um but yeah you know you know happy for the couple I suppose, but you know, Huang Xiao, you know, at least it proves that Huang Xiaoming isn't gay, or he could still be gay. But I mean, just because he got married doesn't mean he's not gay. So, but I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying he might not be. I was looking at some of the comments over on the South China Morning Post, and just kind of laughing because some of the people said, "Who are these people? Are are they famous? I don't know them." You know, it's like uh, outside of movie circles, most people don't uh, recognize. Sorry, most expats don't. Yeah. Um, but one said, you know, uh, they've both had so much plastic surgery. I can't wait to see what the kids look like. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but big celebrity weddings, you know, one, one of the one of the sideshows of uh, being a movie watcher, I guess. But we do have some serious news uh, of movie nature with regard to celebrity. And that is Mr. Chow Yun-Fat, right? Yes, um, Mr. Chow. Um, the fatster, uh, uh, the chow man, uh, the chow meister, 
I'm sorry. I'm just. I'm just. I, I'm, I'm out. Um, anyway, or or Fat Gaul, as we know him here in Hong Kong, he is joining the cast of Cold War Two. Um, 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 yeah. So so Cold War Two. I, I I guess in case you didn't know, um, yeah, Cold War Two is a production, whether you want it or not. Um, and the entire cast is back: Aaron Kwok, Eddie Pang, Tony Leung, um, um, Arif. Arif <laughs> is back. Anyway, uh, and and uh, two new members are joining the cast of the film. Uh, we have Mr. Chow and also Janice Mann from Helios. Hmm. Um, nothing is known about the plot. All we know is that it's in production. And if you remember the first film, spoiler alert. Again, spoiler alert. At the end of the first film, we, we find out that, that Eddie Pang was like the big baddie. Um, and that he was reading Shadow Warrior as he's plotted his revenge um, in the hospital. So we know that he was coming back anyway. So, um, yeah. Um, sorry, but what, what most unnecessary sequel ever? Discuss. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I totally didn't even remember the Eddie, P- Eddie Pang thing. It's, it's, that's how much of the film of Cold War one that I remember. I just remember a lot of the finger-pointing and in-the-face shouting uh, between the two leads. Um, you know, to be honest, though, if Chow Yun-Fat's coming on board, I hope he has a bigger role. My interest is peaked a bit more with him in there as the cast. I just hope it's not an Andy Lau-type cameo where it's just like, you know, one scene, 30 seconds, and uh, I'm out. Right, right. Actually, I swear, considering that the, the none of the press photo has gone out so far uh, has Mr. Fat in it, or oh, sorry, Mr. Chow, um, or Fatko in those photos, um, I think it's safe to assume that it will be a sort of what was big caliber, you know, heavy caliber cameo um, that's similar to what Andy Lau did um, in the first film. I think let's let's keep that, keep that expectations in mind, at least. It's very possible that's happening. Yeah. All right, that's going to wrap it up for our news this week. Um, so we'll be right back after a short musical interlude to talk about the film Saving Mr. Wu. And we're back. Our movie this week, Saving Mr. Wu, from director Ding Sheng, uh, somebody you might be familiar with with some of his other films, notably um, uh, Little Big Soldier, perhaps probably my favorite uh, amongst his filmography. He serves as the director and I believe also the writer and the editor uh, for the film, so he has a pretty strong hand um, throughout the film. The story itself, a basic plot of the story, if you don't already know, when a well-known actor, uh, played by Andy Lau, is kidnapped by a gang masquerading as police officers. The hunt is on to try to track them down before time runs out. Um, so this is a bit shorter than my usual synopsis because 
Primarily, the thing you need to know about this movie is it's based on a true story. And so if you know the story, you kind of know the ending already. Um, I intentionally went into this movie not uh, doing any reading up on the story. Uh, I wasn't familiar with the story. I did know it was based on a true story, but I didn't know the outcome of that true story. And for me, that kind of, um, I think, made me enjoy this movie a lot um, because uh, there was this this sense of anticipation. So, but I think it might be a very different experience for somebody who already knows uh, the outcome of the story. So, um, Kevin, I think you mentioned you knew the outcome, right? So I'll be curious to see here, here if that um, had a factor on your enjoyment of the movie or not. Um, but uh, this is based on a true story that happened back in 2004, as I said. Um, also, we do need to understand this is a China movie, so uh, there is kind of a certain perspective that we expect uh, when dealing with crime stories and, and China films. Though I will say that this one played out with a much softer hand than I expected, and I ended up enjoying it uh, quite a bit. The um, actual kidnap victim um, named Wu Rofu is... Um, Mainland actor, I think most people who follow Hong Kong cinema specifically may not know him. He, um, in my research, he doesn't really pop up much um, down here. He's mostly known for TV dramas. If you go to Yes Asia and you plug in his name, you'll find a, quite a wide variety of uh, mainland dramas, a lot of cop dramas and things. Um, so he is, you know, a, a fairly well-known person uh, in the mainland, um, but I think most most Hong Kong film followers may not uh, may not recognize him, but he does play a role. He's one of the police captains in this film, and um, I really found this as a police procedural to be quite an engaging movie. And the thing that popped in my mind was uh, a lot of comparisons between this and uh, Johnny Toe's Drug War, and perhaps unfairly so because I know that uh, you know Johnny Tro Johnny Toe is going for. Um, something a little bit different with that, and uh, I don't want to get back in, into that discussion, but in terms of the actual police proce procedural, the filming of that kind of stuff, um, I think this film handled that quite successfully. I was fairly engaged and fairly entertained, um, and, uh, you know, I, I didn't find it too, uh, too heavy-handed at times. There is a pretty large cast, though, of people who I I didn't recognize. I mean, we have Andy Lau in the title role of Mr. Wu, and um, at first I was kind of wondering, is is he just going to be like a sort of side character? Um, because the film actually picks up um, kind of towards the end of the story, um, and so there's a deadline. There's kind of like a, this deadline where they've actually apprehended uh, the, the gang leader, and they've got him on lockdown, and they're doing an interrogation at the start of the movie. And he's basically told the police that, you know, in a few hours, Mr. Wu is going to be killed by his uh, gang buddies if he doesn't check in. So it's kind of like they've got this uh, bit of a standoff going. And then the film starts to transition back and forth and back and forth through time to tell different bits of the story. And some of that it's a little bit uneasy to keep up with at times um, because they do, uh, they, they jump around, they focus on another gang for a bit, and um, I had a difficult time trying to keep up at times with who was who and who knew who and, and why, 
by the end, I had figured it all out. Um, so you do get a chance to sort of catch up. But for a while, I was kind of like wondering as to the importance of, you know, some of these people they were talking about. And these kind of fit together like pieces of a puzzle, not something you're trying to figure out, but really just kind of showing um, different aspects of the character, the gang leader um, himself, uh, a guy named uh, Wang Lihua, um, played by actor um, Wang Qingyun. Wang, Wang, Wang Qianyun, excuse me, <laughs> get my pronunciations mixed up. Um, and he's actually up for, uh, I think, is it Best Actor Kevin for Golden Horse? Best Supporting Actor. Best Supporting actually. Actor, okay. Even yeah. though, yes, uh, after we watched the film, we kind of like, well, Wang Chunyun is practically the lead actor. Yeah, he does. He, he has a lot of screen time. And he's very, very good at being very, he's very, very, very great. Oh, um, yeah. And uh, he's, he's the kind of guy you end up, you know, loving to hate, but um, takes you a while to kind of get there. Um, but the film, yeah, does jump around. But the thing that really made this film for me was it's based on a true story, but what they've done is they've taken a lot of the elements of tr the true story, because I went and I read up on, you know, some of the news reports and things, and um, there's really a lot here that, you know, is kind of exactly what happened in terms of, of the actual story. And basically they decided we're going to take this story and we're going to make it as if what if they captured Andy Lau? So even <laughs> though Andy Lau is playing the, you know, the, the, the character of Mr. Wu, um, he's kind of being Andy Lau at the same time. And I don't mean that in a, in a negative sense, like because he's acting the heck out of the scenes he's in. But it's like, you know, he's as, he, he's as famous as Andy Lau and they make some gags. They've got like a, because this happens during the end of Chinese New Year uh, when he's kind of kidnapped. And it's all basically in a very short period of time, like within a day, um, this, this is taking place. Um, and then, um, you know, at the place they're kind of holding him, there's a Chinese New Year calendar, you know, with him posing. And it's actually one of his old calendar posters. I actually remember seeing that. And um, they make a reference, they make a God of Gamblers reference as a gag in one place and so even though they're not calling him Andy Lau they're calling him Mr. Wu it's it's kind of like this merging of the two and um, for me as a big Andy fan it really worked um, really well um, other Hong Kong people you'll recognize of course Lam Shut is here he has a a minor role but he um, for what he has to do he brings a good presence and uh, you know I really and there's a scene later in the film uh, with him and Andy Lau that um, kind of got to me a little bit, even though it's just a very quick scene. And uh, there's another there's another scene where Andy is uh, singing um, a cappella um, towards the end of the film, and it's I I could be wrong, but I'm almost dead certain it was in sync. It sounds like Andy's in sync sound doing his own Mandarin dialogue here. The entire uh, film is shot in sync sound, yeah, actually, and which he, is very very impressive for a Chinese film. And he sings um, this song, you know, he's like, in, it's this moment where he's kind of scared and everything, and he just starts singing this song, and it's just, he just kills it. It's just amazing. Um, and, you know, again, if you're a fan, this is, uh, uh, I think, something you're really going to enjoy. The Hong Kong poster, if you look at it, though, I've got to criticize, because it's a bit misleading, right? Um, you look at the Hong Kong poster, and it's kind of got Andy there and a couple of the other leads, like um, Liu Ye and others. And it's like got explosions and, you know, guys in tack gear and stuff. And this is really not that kind of a movie, right? This is not Firestorm. This is not a, a big 
movie with explosions. There are a couple action sequences that are kind of, you know, very minor, um, if anything. And, and one of, you know, these action sequences in particular are, are really more of the fantastical, right? They're, they're kind of like imagined, you might say. Um, but, you know, the story itself um, is much more practical. It's much more of the characters talking and dealing with each other. Um, so it's not a big action piece. So if you if you see the Hong Kong poster and you're expecting, you know, a big thing like a, a firestorm or something, you're not going to get that. Um, but that doesn't mean that this is not worth seeing because I found it to be, um, you know, very entertaining, very fun, and much better than I was um, kind of expecting going in thinking, okay, this is a, you know, this is a mainland cop film, so I've kind of got some preconceptions about what's going to be going on. And I found myself thoroughly entertained um, as a result. Um, the interesting thing, too, is that at the end credits, um, they actually start showing footage from what apparently is the actual rescue that happened back in 2004, um, a la Cops. So if you've ever seen the show Cops, it's like I had the bad boys theme kind of playing in the back of my head as they were showing some of this stuff during the credit scene. And that that's a pretty interesting way to sort of... Um, to sort of close out the film and um they you know the again there there are some interesting ways to compare this to drug war in terms of some of the arc but i for me i think this stands out um as, as much more entertaining something that i really want to see again whereas with drug war i think once was enough um i don't think i'd want to return back to that um and so yeah i i really came away enjoying it and a shout out to uh Stephen Kremen, who was one of the subtitlers, did a good job, I think. My boss. Yeah, over at Film Biz Asia. So uh, nice job, sir. Um, so yeah, Kevin, um, you as I said, you knew the story kind of before you watched this movie, right? So did that play a factor for you? I didn't really know the actual story. All I know is that it's based on a true story. And obviously, you know, the film wouldn't be made if the story did not end the way it did. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, um, and, and I think it's quite clever that there is no mystery is that, yeah, the bad guy gets caught, but there is a time bomb uh, factor there that still keeps, you know, keeps you very much on edge. You know, it's like the, um, recently, you know, Robert Zemeckis, the, the, the walk, um, where, you know, the guy makes it, I mean, people who've seen the, um, who's seen the uh, documentary, people who read up, people who just look up the name of the character know that he survives the walk on, on the wire across the Twin Towers. But when you watch the actual sequence, when you go through the journey, you still feel the suspense there. And I think that's very much the same here, is that even though you know the ending, is still very uh, suspenseful ride. Um, and, you know, bring up a few things. You said there are a few interesting action sequences, and I kind of... Uh, 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 find that very interesting because um you know firestorm you're bringing up firestorm um those got that film could not be shoot shot in the mainland because the censors say that these scenes you know there would never be a shootout in in china there cannot be a shootout on film uh set in china right so what ding shen did is that he made those uh action sequences parts of like the character's imagination yeah. So that you can still have a gun, gun like a, a, a firefight happening in the streets of Beijing, but then you cut and it's like, oh, this is imagination. So it was actually very impressive. But as a, as a gimmick, it works really well. It's like he doesn't overuse it. 
and yeah. it really makes sense in the context of the moments when he chooses yeah. to use them. So yeah. it, it's it's really well crafted, and um, again, well, he, it, I was very surprised by it. Well, he also used that trick in Police Story twenty thirteen, I guess, to not not so much good, not as much you know good effect. Um, but yeah, so those kind of some interesting tidbits. But no, I did not really know the story beforehand. But you kind of know, um, yes, you know, you're like. You know, it's it's a fun ride, and and I think it's quite well made. And and Andy Lau, you know, he doesn't have. And for once, Andy Lau did not have to worry about shedding Andy Lau. You know, I think Andy Lau's, you know, his both his greatest gift and his greatest curse is that Andy Lau's persona is so solidified that that everyone recognizes Andy Lau, and he's like a you know superstar, right? But at the same time, for him to try and take on um, disappear into other roles has become very tough. Because of uh, that persona, and I think that it was again very clever that they went this route. That Andy Lau essentially has to all he has to do is put himself in a situation, and that's how he would act. Yeah. So, so he, he was given a very very good you know idea to work with, and he sort of ran with it. Um, and if um, if this movie was qualified for the Hong Kong Film Awards, and it's not unfortunately, um, it would be it would totally be nominated for you know best actor and all that stuff, but. It is a China production, and I think um, it won't be qualified for the Hong Kong Film Awards. Um, oh, that's too. But bad. the good news is, it is, it is, it, it does qualify for our Hong Kong, Love Hong Kong Film Awards. So mm, yes, indeed, that's something we can yeah. talk about next year. Um, so yeah, it, it, you know, um, I, I am one who's again very hesitant of uh, you know, a lot of the uh, films that come out of the north, and we don't even get to see half, you know, more than half of of what ends up getting produced down here. But this is one I'd say that if you are an Andy Lau fan, is really a must-see. Um, it's fun. It's entertaining. There were times when I thought that this was going to be a, sort of along the lines of a crazy stone, right? And it's not, but it's no less entertaining. You know, it, it doesn't go sort of the, 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 the route of sort of the long con or really, you know, um, um, playing lots of games. But it does kind of hint at certain things like that at times and and it's very very clever and very subtle in, in some ways but it's also very practical again sort of as a as a you know sort of straightforward police procedural that um, for me I, I just think really worked really well you're listening to the east screen west screen podcast visit kongcast.com for more You have been listening to the Screen West Screen podcast. Our theme music was composed by Rob Jabor of a Schnauzer Radio Orchestra. Research has come from a variety of sources, um, and primarily these are Love HK Film and the Hong Kong Movie Database, but also a tremendous amount of moral support from all of you out there. If you would like to be part of the show, you can get in touch with us via our website at concast.com or over on Twitter, twitter.com slash concast. You can email us at eastscreen at gmail.com. And you can check us out over on Facebook at East S West S. Of course, I urge you to follow along with Mr. Ma and all that he does, whether it's over at the Discovery Magazine now that you can get on your uh, local app store or over at Film Asia. So, Kevin, where can they find out more? 
You reset everything, man. <laughs> no, uh, official. I am the the entertainment editor of the uh, Discovery and Silk Road magazine. So if you do happen to fly Cathay Pacific or Dragon Air, um, and you open up your in-flight magazine, uh, you will see my work in the entertainment in-flight entertainment section. Um, and you can like like pause. You can download the Discovery app. We are nominated. Uh, the app is nominated for uh, some kind of award. I forgot to look it up before we started the recording, but we are uh, the re- revamped a- uh, app is nominated for a digital award or something like that, and I'm really really proud of that. Even though I have no no part in that award, but I am really really proud that I'm part of that team. Um, what else? Um, Film Business Asia www.filmbiz.asia. There's no .com. It's just filmbiz. Asia. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at the Golden Rock. Um, you can also email me at uh, Kevin at filmbiz.asia. Yeah, that, that's about it. All right, excellent. So please do follow along with Kevin and all that he is doing. Uh, next show should be episode 177. And I think we're going to be turning to the uh, Taiwanese film Our Times. Um, I think I'd like to try and do uh, get out of here the vampire uh, movie uh, from uh, Alex Lamb that's going around right now. But as I looked at the times this week, I don't think it's going to be playing by the time I have a chance to get out to see it. So um, if I don't get out to see that, we're probably going to be doing the big thing that's uh, kind of dominating uh, the talk of the town right now. Our times, um, this really sort of big, uh, you are the apple of my eye style youth school nostalgia thing that's uh, just washing over uh, film circles here right now so all of that and more on our next show until then this is the east screen west screen podcast saying never kidnap mr ma and we'll see you next time see you next time everybody Wait, wait.